Amen. Don't you just love kids, especially your own kids if you have them? I love my kids so, so much most of the time. And uh, I'm so proud of them. I would love to just spend a few moments just talking about Came and Maddie and Addison, just how amazing they are. But I won't do that this morning. But kids are so great. They're, they're practically perfect, especially my kids. Kids, kids are so innocent, so humble, so kind. They hardly do anything wrong. There's a hair on your arm. Where? cookie <laughs> <laughs> nothing happened <laughs> yikes my uh, my kids weren't in that video by the way now this can't be what Jesus was talking about can it when he invited the children to himself and said unless you come to me like a child you cannot enter the kingdom of God I mean, how are those kids getting into the kingdom of God acting like that? Don't they, don't they need to learn how to behave and take care of themselves first? Well, if you have your Bible, let's stand together. Turn with me to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, second book in the New Testament. Mark chapter 10, we're gonna begin with this verse 13. We stand in honor of God's word. This is the word of the Lord. Verse 13. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. God, this is your word. Would you bless the reading of your word and the teaching of your word? We need you today, Jesus. We need you always. Speak to us now in Jesus' name, amen, amen. You can be seated. This story is one that many of us know well. It's actually depicted on the stained glass window, right? up there and it's recorded in all three of the first three gospels matthew mark and luke and today we're looking at mark's gospel mark up to this point has shown us that jesus came to proclaim the kingdom of god he came to demonstrate the kingdom of god and he came to invite us in to god's kingdom really what he's been doing is teaching he's been discipling he's mostly been discipling his disciples and we're going to see today that the disciples were very slow learners. It took them a long time to grasp what Jesus was saying. And so if that's you today, I know it's me, then we're in good company because these men who walked with Jesus for three plus years were so slow to be changed by him, but he never gave up on them. 
And so here in chapter 10, the end is drawing near for Jesus. He'll soon be tried, convicted, and crucified for the sins of the world. And yet he's teaching all the way to the end. And so look again at verse 13 here of chapter 10. Let's dive in this together. It says, they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. Now, Mark doesn't tell us who they are, but presumably it's the parents bringing these kids to Jesus. Moms and dads, grandparents, they've perhaps seen what Jesus has done. They've heard about him and they want to bring their kids to Jesus for him to bless them. And this was a very common practice in the time of Jesus. You would take your kids to a wise, godly man, just like uh, in Genesis 48, Uh, Jacob blesses his grandchildren. We see this with Jesus himself in Luke chapter two. He's taken to the temple and he's blessed there by a man named Simeon. And so this is beautiful what's happening here, right? These these moms and dads, they're, they're bringing their kids to Jesus. They don't fully know who Jesus is at this time. Uh, They don't know what we know now looking back, but they saw that he was a good man, a godly man that there was something different about him and they wanted to take their children to him. And so there's something for us here, moms and dads in the room, grandparents, maybe you're with us online today. May we never stop bringing our children to Jesus. May we never stop bringing our children to Jesus. And all of us here in our church, we're in a unique season right now in our church called Multiply, where we can all be a part of bringing children and students to Jesus. Let's never stop doing that. Now, we don't know how old these children were, but they were most likely no older than 12. When Luke tells us this story in his gospel, he uses a different word. It's the Greek word brephe, which means babies, and it's translated in our Bibles as infants. And so uh, these are definitely babies being brought to Jesus, maybe some toddlers, maybe some others under the age of 12. And everybody just loves what's happening here, right? Like, this is so awesome. Moms and dads bringing their kids to Jesus. Like, everyone is so happy and excited. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. Nope. (laughs) Not the disciples. Look at the second half of verse 13. It says, and the disciples rebuked them. The disciples rebuked them. Now, rebuke is a, is a strong word. It's not just the attitude of, of hey, parents, uh, this is not the best time for Jesus. Could you guys come back another time? This is great what you're doing, but Jesus is a little busy. No, to rebuke someone is to show strong disapproval. It's more like this. Hey, get these kids out of here. You guys are crazy. Jesus does not have time for these little creatures. It's a, it's a severe description. Jesus himself, he had rebuked demons earlier in Mark. That makes sense. He had rebuked the Pharisees for their self-righteousness. That makes sense. But these disciples rebuking the parents for bringing their kids to Jesus, what, what's wrong with these guys? How could they have been so blind? Well, Jesus had actually prepared them for this. In Mark 9, 37, it says there that he took a child in his arms and said, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. So he prepared them for the test 
And when it comes, the very next chapter, I don't know, maybe the very next day, they fail the test. It'd be kind of like this. Students, you're in class on a Thursday and your teacher says there's a, there's a test tomorrow and there's one question on the test and it's this. Who's better, the Cowboys or the Bengals? And the teacher tells you, now the answer's clearly the Bengals, so put the Bengals. But you put the Cowboys and you fail the test. Now, real quick, I was, uh, I was born in Cincinnati, grew up in Cincinnati, so no disrespect to the Cowboys. Although I think I might be right right now anyway. <laughs> but but what's, wrong with, what's wrong with these guys? Well, we already said that they were very slow learners, just like we are. I know I am. But we also have to understand that children back then were viewed very differently. Today, babies are considered adorable, precious. Like I see so many babies around our church these days. And don't you just love that? And we as believers, we value life from the womb or we certainly should, not just before, uh, not just after the child is born, but before it's born. But in the ancient world, a little child was not considered significant until he or she reached an age where it was likely they would survive to become an adult, which was usually around the age of 13. And so children had no rights or privileges of their own. They were wholly dependent on their parents. They were at the bottom of the social ladder. They were expected to be seen and not heard. Maybe some of you've heard that before. It's clear that the disciples thought that these children were, were just too insignificant for Jesus. And here's what the disciples' attitude shows us. It shows us that, that they were still being more shaped by, by the world around them during this time rather than by Jesus himself. Like Peter in chapter eight, the disciples do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. And there's something for us here. Jesus wants us to see something that the disciples missed. And it's this, God's ways are not our ways. And his ways are not the ways of the world. We are not to take our cues from the culture and society around us, but from God's word and God's word alone. This is our guide. And the specific thing in this moment that Jesus wants us to see is that we do not determine people's value. Jesus determines their value and they all matter to him. And so verse 14 tells us, but when Jesus saw it, that is the disciples rebuking the parents, he was indignant, indignant. Only Mark uses this word to tell us exactly how Jesus felt in this moment. And this is not just casual, run-of-the-mill displeasure. Um, I've been known to experience that at times in my life, especially at my girls' basketball games, uh, usually directed towards the referees. Uh, I've been known to rebuke them. And a uh, few, few times they've rebuked me back. Um, I'm working on it. I'm a work in progress. Um, but that's just like me expressing displeasure that I thought I was right, which I probably was, but that's neither here nor there. But this is, this is different. This is righteous anger that Jesus is displaying. It's, it's the state of anger brought about by injustice. You see, when you love something, when you love something and you find that thing attacked, righteous anger will flare up to attack back. 
When you love something, like Jesus loved these little children, and you find that thing attacked, this righteous anger will flare up to attack back. In effect, Jesus is saying to his disciples, no, 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 you do not get to decide who comes to me. You do not get to place value on people. I do that. You do not get to limit access to me. This is my kingdom. My father has given it to me. And so Jesus loves his disciples immensely. He loves us immensely, but he hates our sin and will not let us stay in it. And so just like a good father, he disciplines those he loves, Hebrews 12, 6. And so Jesus loves these children by receiving them. He loves the disciples by correcting them. And he does receive the children. He says in the second part of verse 14, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. The kingdom belongs to such as these. What's the kingdom of God? Well, a a really short way to describe the kingdom of God is the renewal of all things. It's the rule and reign of God with Christ on the throne as conquering king. And Jesus says, to such belongs God's kingdom. And that word such here gives us a clue that Jesus is not simply saying that the kingdom of God belongs to children just because they're children, just because they're babies or toddlers. What he's saying is that the kingdom of God belongs to those who come to him like children come to him. And so how do children come to him? They come strong, right? They come pure, they come innocent, they come walking upright on their own, they come without any flaws, they come because their great behavior has earned them the right to come to Jesus. So that's how we must come to him, right? We must come all put together, innocent, mature, with great strength. No, no, hear this, this is, this is so important. This is what Jesus wants us to see, don't miss this today. Children, little children, are not strong. They are weak. Little children are not innocent and pure. They're flawed and full of sin, just like we saw in that video. Little children do not come walking upright in their courage and with great pride. They come crawling in humility or they come being carried by another. Little children are weak, helpless, dependent, They are entirely dependent upon someone else for everything. Many of you have had babies. Think about this. They can't do anything on their own. They can't feed themselves. They can't clothe themselves. They can't, when they get a little bit older, they can't cross the street by themselves. And Jesus is saying, those are the ones the kingdom is for. That's the message he's seeking to teach his disciples. You guys, you don't want these kids coming to me because you see them as weak and too needy, but that's precisely the reason that I want them coming. You can't come to me any other way. It's not their goodness, it's not their strength, it's not their accomplishments that get them into the arms of Jesus, it's their neediness their attitude of I can't do anything on my own. I need your help. I remember when all three of my kids were little, uh, just like maybe little toddlers, maybe starting to walk. And so often I just have this picture in my mind, I can still see them just looking up to dad or, or to Holly and just saying, hold you, 
hold you. And uh, what they were trying to say is hold me. And I guess they, their grammar wasn't correct yet. Or in their minds, maybe they thought when I held them that they were actually holding me, I don't know. But they would say, hold you, hold you. It's this sense of like helplessness. I need you to pick me up. I'm, I'm kind of weak here, I can't do anything. And so entering the kingdom requires recognizing one's needs like a child and receiving as a gift what you cannot earn and do not deserve. You see, there are no good people apart from Jesus. There are no strong people apart from Jesus. There are only weak people. And so here's how I wanna sum this up today. And if this is all that you get, just get this today. I am weak, but my God is strong. I am weak, but my God is strong. It sounds very simple, doesn't it? Very childlike, but oh, how we need this truth. When it comes to managing my life, I am weak, but my God is strong. When it comes to fighting against my sin and my brokenness, I am weak, but my God is strong. Students, when it comes to my schoolwork, I am weak, but my God is strong. In my parenting, I am weak, but my God is strong. In my marriage, I am weak, but my God is strong. In managing my finances, I am weak, but my God is strong. And when that alarm clock sounds early in the morning and it's time to face the new day, I I am weak, but my God is strong. My body is decaying every day. I'm weak, but my God is strong. And apart from Jesus, apart from him, I'm weak and I'm helpless. But as I come to him, I find all the strength that I ever need. Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. So let me ask you today, is there a place in your life where you know that Jesus is inviting you to be completely and totally just dependent upon him like a child, but you're still trying to depend on yourself? Just think about that for a moment. Just be honest with your heart. Is there a place Jesus is asking you to just lay aside your facade of strength so that you will rely completely and totally on him? Why is this so hard for us? Why was it so hard for the disciples? I think because deep down we're afraid if we come to Jesus in all of our weakness and all of our neediness, not only then will we look weak to everyone else and we all care way too much about what everybody thinks, but there's also this part of us deep down that we wonder if I lay all of my burdens down, if I lay all of my weakness down, will Jesus really be strong enough for me? And so can I just be just really honest with you this morning? Uh, this message has been so hard for me this week because I really struggle to admit my shortcomings, my weaknesses. I wanna always just put on this facade of strength that I've got it all together. I wanna be the best, the greatest at everything. And so my greatest fear in life is failure. And so often I just build up this wall, even in my job, in, in my parenting, in my marriage, because I don't, I don't want Holly, I don't want my girls 
my son to think, oh, dad doesn't have his stuff together. And so I build up this wall, but, but God is so patient and so good. And so here's what he's teaching me, Justin. You were never meant to be the best and the greatest at everything. You were never meant to have all the strength. You were made to depend on another. You were made to depend on me. And so when Jesus rebukes his disciples and receives these children, he's sending a message to them and to us. He's, he's lovingly showing us that on the other side of our fears and these walls of strength and independence that we've built up, hear this, we really do have what we might be afraid isn't there. There's a father waiting to receive us in his arms. He's waiting you see, weakness and need, things that we don't really like in our lives, are actually not bad things. Because weakness and need are the unique place where a child can learn what their limitations are and who their parent is. God wants us to know and believe that just like a child needs mom and dad for everything, we need him, our good father, for everything everything. Jesus said it right. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. Now, Jesus not only takes our weaknesses as we come to him and, and gives us his strength, he also identifies with us in them. Does Jesus know himself what weakness feels like? He prayed in the garden in Matthew 26, that's that picture right there, the stained glass window. He prayed as he was about to be arrested and, and murdered. Father, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Second Corinthians 13, four says that Jesus was crucified in weakness. And so at the cross, Jesus was weak and needy and dependent. The only son of God trusted himself entirely to his father and hear this, he was not abandoned. Even when it looks like the father turns his face away, Jesus was never abandoned. That verse goes on to say, but he lives by the power of God. And so three days later, the, the father proved once and for all that he does not abandon his children as they come to him weak and needy when he raised his son to life. Some of you here today are afraid to come to Jesus weak, dependent, because you've had a father or a mother in your life who abandoned you, and you're afraid that Jesus will do the same. Hear this, Jesus will not abandon you. Some of you may have had a spouse who just left. Jesus will not leave you. He'll never leave you. You see, we spend so much of our lives just trying to cover up our weaknesses, trying to self-help, get stronger and better. But when we look to the cross of Jesus, here's what we see. All those things that we try and cover up, all those things that keep us from coming to him like a child, they were all laid on him. And there at the cross, we see God our Father ready to receive us. I am weak, but my God is strong. But Jesus also gives us a warning. Verse 
15. Truly I say to you, Jesus says, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. You see, the kingdom of God is a gift and it must be received. Those who refuse to receive it and to come in weakness and need like a child will not enter it. And so there's a choice set before us, set before all of us. And it's this, God's eternal kingdom of glory and light or eternal separation from him forever in a real place called hell. Jesus talked a lot about hell in Mark chapter nine. And we're gonna see a real life example of this in the very next story, next week. It's no mistake that in all three of the gospels where we see this story of kids coming to Jesus, the very next thing that happens is this rich young ruler comes to Jesus in all of his strength, in all of his pride, in all of his riches, in his self-righteousness. He's called to lay his life down and he refuses. He refuses to come like a child and he walks away and Jesus lets him walk away. Jesus will let you walk away if you refuse to admit you're weak and that you need him. But he wants you to come to him. That's his invitation to you today, come to me. It's what these children were doing. And as they came, look, look what it says Jesus did. It says in verse 16, he took them in his arms and he blessed them laying his hands on them. The parents asked Jesus to touch their children, but what does he do? He touches them, yes, but he does more. He takes them in his arms and he blesses them. Jesus does more than they ask. That's always what Jesus does, right? We come to him to receive his grace and he gives us more than we could ever ask or imagine, grace upon grace. He did more than he was expected to do. He always does. And so Jesus is still inviting us to come to him today, just as I am. We sang it earlier, weak, needy, dependent. He's waiting today with open arms. And so right after this service today, we'd love to talk with you about how you can receive Jesus right outside these doors. Come to Jesus today. Now those of us here at First McKinney who have recognized our, our weakness, our neediness, and have come to Christ for our strength. We have such a great opportunity because the world is telling our children and our students today a very different message. The world tells them if you're strong, if you perform, if you work your way to the top, then you'll be great, you'll be somebody. Don't ever admit that you can't do anything. Don't admit that you're weak. And here's the thing, that message is crushing them. Those of you that have teenagers, you know that because they can't measure up and God never intended them to be strong and independent apart from him. He created them to depend on Christ and Christ alone. Maddie, who's sitting right here, she's a really good basketball player and they just finished uh, their season and uh, so, so proud of her. She's really, really good. Uh, and, uh, the other day in their second game of the playoffs, she had such a great game and I was encouraging her afterwards and just telling her how, how proud I was of her. But the thing that Holly and I want our children to know more than anything is how loved they are, not for what they do. And so uh, I think Maddie was off to school the next day and so I sent her a text the following morning and I just said, 
Maddie, I need you to hear this. I need you to hear that last night, if you had had zero points and you fouled out like with the first, within the first two minutes of the game, if you had 12 turnovers, I would still be just as proud of you because I don't love you for what you do. I love you for who you are. And that's what God is saying to us. And that's what we need to be saying to our kids constantly. Those of you that have teenagers and small children, don't beat them down. Give them grace. Give them the love of Jesus. Let them know that you love them, not for the grades that they get, not for how well they perform, not for how well they sing, but for who they are. That's what Jesus is saying. He loves them for who they are. And so don't you want our children here in our church and students around the world growing up knowing that Jesus loves them? Not because they are strong, but because he is strong. And as I mentioned earlier, we are in such a unique season in our church. And because of that message that our kids need to hear, Holly and I are, and our whole family are committed to this season of multiply that we're in. We're committed to pray, we're committed to serve, and we're committed to give financially, to sacrifice, to make sacrifices and give above and beyond in our giving. And I wanna encourage you to be committed as well because our children and our students and all of us never stop needing reminded who we are and who God is. Christ died in weakness, but he was not abandoned by his father. And if the father didn't abandon Jesus, he will not abandon you. So when you see Jesus there at the cross, bearing your sin, weak and needy, dependent, entrusting himself completely to his father, dying in your place, there's only one response. And it's the response of a child. Father, help. I need you. I can't do it on my own. I am weak, but my God is strong. I am weak but my God is strong. Let's pray together. Uh, God, we thank you so much for your word and how it always speaks to us. Uh, we thank you for how you, uh, you do never give up on us. Uh, we just confess that, that we're so often like the disciples, so, so slow to learn. And uh, we need you, we need your, we need your wisdom, we need your guidance, and we need your grace. I thank you that we have it. I pray that every person in this room today knows how much you love them, no matter where they've been, no matter what they've done, no matter the pride that they've built up in their life, you're still pursuing them. And I pray today that we would come to you like little children. And we know as we do that you'll receive us because that's who you are, our good father. We love you in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to actually hear from some of our kids and our students right now and how excited they are about this season that we're in called Multiply. So watch this video. Multiply means to me by making disciples and um, giving friends in need. I think it it means to make more disciples and help others. Helping and being a good brother to my baby brothers. Make more of something, like make more of disciples. My commitment is make food for my family. 
make disciples and then those disciples tell other people and it multiplies. I wanted to give something to God so what I'm going to do is extra choice. I love this church so much. It's helped me learn so much about God that I've never known before and I just want to help it grow and see more people get to learn what I've learned. Um, I'm going to give to the Multiply Project because I believe that if we raise this money then it can help to really just show other people like Jesus' love for them. What she said. God gave me all the money I have and so I'm giving back to him. We get to be a part of um, something big in our church and we get to make a difference. Multiply means to me to make more disciples. When we give, we give to make the experience better to ever, for everyone who comes to our church. We give to the church to help reach other communities and um, the world to share the love of God. I think it's important to give back to others. Having a, a new space for this next generation coming up is going to be an amazing investment for the future. Stewarding this place, putting it in, in the best shape it can possibly be, I think is very important because this is a beacon. Multiply means discipleship, and I have gotten to basically disciple Whitney Wood since like last Christmas. I've been in the suit group since I was in sixth grade and I've gone to every event and they've really helped me grow in my faith and I just think others need to experience the same thing because our staff is great, the leaders are great, everything about it, the adults are so invested in it and I think other people need to hear the name of Jesus and the gospel. People who are younger than me will get to experience the same things that I did and one day be able to um, share the love of Jesus with other people like we've been taught to do in the youth group. Making more people want to follow Jesus. What I'd like to see in the new ministry building is a giant wall to play video games on. Multiply is uh, teaching people to love and live like Jesus. It's going to connect the children's building and the like regular building all to one and so that's going to make it way more convenient. It's very important for us students to have a strong ability to be in our faith and just stand firm. So making that commitment for me, it was just very important and I'm very excited to see what God has planned in the future for the students and just for the whole church. I have received amazing uh, discipleship lessons and I've uh, developed a great relationship with the youth staff and uh, made good friends and it was just so amazing to be able to go from, well I'm just at church because they want me there to I'm at church because I want to be there and I'm growing. So some of you in the room right now are thinking, what is Multiply? Uh, some of you in the room are thinking, are we going to talk about this every Sunday? Like, we're taking one month to let you know about Vision Forward for us as a church. And we recognize that many in the church aren't here every Sunday. And so for some, this is the first time they're hearing about it. Uh, for others in the church, in fact, I yet, I'm so thankful for this. I've yet to talk to anyone in our church that disagrees that, no, everyone said, no, we, we need to do this. Uh, but there's a gap sometimes between agreement and engagement in what God is doing. And so we're inviting everyone 
to really pray over what God's doing here. And I wanna take just a second to pray because Justin's message was for me this morning and maybe also for you. God, I admit that I am weak and you're strong. And and so often I think that I try to look good uh, and sometimes I think even we try to make our church look good for us and not for you. And God, I pray that you would keep us from building something about us and that we would truly invest in the kingdom of God and make an eternal impact for your glory. So I ask for that in Jesus' name, amen. We believe that we're at a crossroads moment in a church that is 150 years old and that there are generations before us who made sacrifices so that we could be here today And God is calling us to really a unique opportunity to be part of what God's gonna do in the future of our church. We want to multiply, and when we say multiply, here's what we mean. On the the stained glass window that faces the street, uh, it says that it's the Great Commission, that Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, all ethnicities, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you and I'm gonna be with you always. That God gave us a clear commission and we are to make disciples and we believe disciples move at the speed of relationship. Like that's how discipleship happens. That in my life, I was changed by people who chose to invest in me. And here's just a story and I'm gonna share a few stories as I go through it from someone in our church who was in a discipleship group in our church years ago, I say years ago, four and a half, five years ago. And then through that, he invested in another man who then after he was in a group with him, then started another group, invests in other people, and now there's a fourth generation group and he was sharing with this man the impact that it was having on his life. FYI, that guy's not in our church The guy before him that discipled him is not in our church, but there was a multiplication that happened through their lives. And here's this communication up top as he's sharing how excited about his growth. He says, this man is right, this pumps me up. There are so many great leaders and future disciple makers who just haven't been led, nor have they been the beauty of scripture unlocked for them. As this man thanks me, I thank you for leading me to start this journey such a joy that's cool we believe that the western church has gotten bored because they've been taught the win is to come and sit and maybe put a little dollars in the plate and then that's all god wants for you no god has invited you into his plan to lead the world to make disciples you you and that moves at the speed of relationship we believe that god has called us to multiply churches We've talked multiple times in this series about our church that we planted just over a year ago, Cadence Church, and people who've come to faith in Christ at Cadence. Last week, we shared with you about a church that we started in Denver some four years ago that has already planted a church and is planting another church. We wanna do that locally. That's our vision for growth, to do it even locally, and then also to do it nationally and internationally. We had up front in the fall a man by the name of Deepak, Deepak, when he was here, he shared with us that sent from January to September through you and your dollars, your investment, you planted in Southeast Asia in an unreached, when I say unreached, a people that 
are far from the gospel of Christ, 78 churches. And we want to do more of that. We want to multiply the kingdom of God through planting churches. And that, 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 the, the, the line for multiply relationships and multiply churches, y'all have been giving above and beyond to our missions and to our ministries ever since I've been around. Y'all have given more than enough for the budget. And so this, this initiative is not to say, would you please be generous? You're not generous. This is not us trying to make budget. You've given above budget. Uh, th- this connects to the vision that God has given us, connects to a need that we have in the church that I initially saw as an obstacle, genuinely. I had no desire to work on bricks in our church. Something I saw as an obstacle, I now see as an opportunity for us. Uh, y'all may know, some of you, if you've been here, have heard that we have two chillers that cool a big part of our facility, our children's building and our youth building. They're 15-year life expectancy chillers. They're 29 years old. And they air condition. That's a big deal in Texas. To replace those chillers, you have to replace the conduit and the duct work also in our facility. And that's five and a half million dollars. And that's not something you fix overnight. So the executive committee, our leaders in our church that y'all have helped elect two years ago, they put aside some of those dollars that you've given above and beyond to look at this. In addition to that, the chiller, the pipe work, it's all going in and through the youth building, our rock. And as they looked at our youth building, our rock, which is our oldest building on our campus, the roof has leaked for years. The walls are built like this, and so the walls collect water, and the two-by-fours in the walls have rotting, are rotting. And the foundation, and this was not us trying to raise money this morning, the foundation has major plumbing issues. That's, that, yes, I thought when Justin was talking about the kids, he might talk about the sewage that's all over the children, like that, yes. Uh, God accepts sewage, right? Thank goodness. But there's issues with the, and so they commissioned this outside organization that does this professionally to do a feasibility study on that building and to say, hey, for us, what is best financial stewardship? And uh, they presented the study to the room and to a person in the room, a lot of lay leaders in the room, staff leaders said, hey, it is not wise for us moving forward to try to continue to invest in that building. We need to do something. And that's gonna cost a lot of money, but it's an incredible opportunity for us to invest in disciple making in the next generation. And so we believe God is calling us to that. Here's what we're asking you to do. We're asking you to enjoy this moment with us Throughout the history of the world, the history even of our church, there have been times, but most people have not been called into times like this. I'm 44 years old. This is the first time that I've been part of a moment like this in a church where God has invited me to give sacrificially, not even really for something that I I pray if Jesus delays, this building's gonna outlast me. To, to invest in something that will, so we've, in, we've invited you to enjoy this moment with us. Y'all know there's information all around campus, multiply booklets that can give you more information. We're gonna have a frequently asked question section after this service that we wanna invite you to in our theater as we talk more about what this is. Maybe you like to dig into all of it, what happens budget-wise, building-wise, ministry-wise. We're gonna answer some of those questions, but we want you to enjoy this moment with us. And then, then secondly, 
we, we want you. And then this is the, people have said, hey, Sam, are you gonna tell us what dollar we're supposed to give? No, I want you to pray. I want you to have a personal encounter with God as it relates to your giving and obey him if you're part of our church. If you're a guest, that's, this is not about you. You're hearing about our vision forward. Uh, you can get, we've actually had guests say, yes, I wanna be part of this project. I just, someone talked to me after the service recently, said, I actually live, live in Louisiana, but this is awesome, I wanna be part. But if you're part of our church, our desire for you is to say, hey, I, I want you to please go to God. Many of you are fasting. We're gonna be ending a season of fasting this Wednesday, Ash Wednesday, for a service for us together as a church, but pray and obey him. Pray and obey him. As you leave today, we're gonna be giving you one of these cards. Here's why. We don't want this to surprise you next week. We believe giving is an act of worship. And in worship, it's gonna be a powerful moment for us as a church. In in worship, as an act of worship, we're, we're going to offer to God a sacrifice and put it on the altar together. But this card, I, I, at we, Rebecca and I had already prayed. We knew the dollars. I know what I'm giving to the church every, every week. I know all that. This card still took me about 10 minutes plus to figure, fill out. It's not just an easy thing to fill out. It prompts you to really think about what is it that you're investing normally in our church? What is it God's calling you to invest? How does that play out over two years? Is there anything else that you believe God wants you to give to the kingdom? By the way, a lot of kids kind of, there was unique gifts for them in that. So we're gonna give it to you and we want you to use this week to really, as as a member of our church family, get together with your spouse if you're married or individually, talk about, pray, okay, Lord, here's what I desire. Fill it out, then close the cover and bring it. We're not showing it to everybody else, right? (laughs) Bring it with you next week with us to church. That makes sense? Cool. So as people have continued to ask, as I pray and obey, how do we follow through that uh, process of that? This has been helpful for many. Initially, some have seen this as a ladder. We were gonna do it as a ladder, but we didn't want people to think by going up the ladder, you earn your way to God, right? We're weak, he's strong. We're saved by the blood of Jesus. We don't give to earn his favor. Jesus has already given it, right? But as we grow as Christians, following Christ, it's something he wants from us, not for, for us, not from us. I said that backwards. He doesn't need our money. He wants you to experience the joy of being part of giving. Uh, some will do a first-time gift. Many of our children got to experience this this last week. Some of you will get to engage in a consistent gift for the first time. Uh, this person, I don't know who, know who it is, but someone who's joining us online, they wanted to remain anonymous, so I wasn't even told by our accounting department. But they sent a check in the mail. They said, I'm not even in your state, but I wanna be part of what's happening through Multiply, and I'm gonna be giving every month from now on and sending a check. They're engaging in consistent giving. Maybe you're online and you wanna be part. Some of you are gonna start giving consistently. This is a discipleship process. It's why our life groups are part of this right now, talking about this. If we end this time and one person stepped up and just put a whole bunch of money in the bank to build a building, and we didn't grow closer to Christ, that's not a win. If we end this time and each one of us have a personal encounter with God and we grow as followers of Christ in this, and we didn't get all the money, but we grew as followers of Christ, we win. So thank you, life group leaders, intentional. Some of you are gonna start moving into a tithing season or maybe the rest of your life. 
We're going to say, I'm going to intentionally set aside the first fruits for the kingdom of God. Heard stories about this in our church already of people taking that step, even in tears in the room when we've had this on the screen, saying, I need to move into a season of tithing. Extravagant giving, going above and beyond in our church. Language that's coming from life groups that I'm hearing people say, hey, I'm realizing, maybe I'm looking at it wrong by asking the question, how much am I going to give? But instead of it's all God's in the first place, how much does he want me to keep? And so I can hold my hands loosely legacy giving what does it look like for me to focus on investing in the kingdom of God more than the kingdom of the earth the stories of people in our church who are taking family extended family homes selling the homes and investing a large portion of that in making a gift to the kingdom of God and the future through multiply what does that look like for you I don't know but we want to pray I want where, where are you on that line where are you on that line Pray and obey, and maybe God's gonna push you to take a step further, to take a step further for you and for the kingdom. I believe this is an exciting time. I truly, truly believe this is an exciting time. And what I wanna do right now, before we close, is bring up our youth pastor, Grant Bird. Grant, yes, he's just, yeah. Yeah. Grant, you've got a fan club. That's right up over here. They yeah. probably think they're in trouble. <laughs> they think they're in trouble. They might think they're in trouble. I don't know. Grant, how long have you served in our church as youth minister? I've been uh, blessed of God. I, we had a custodian that I loved that uh, has been gone a long time, but he used to say, I'm super blessed with a double portion. Every time, how you doing? Super blessed with a double portion, but that's what I feel like in my life. I've uh, been here 31 years, been able to be the youth pastor 31 years. That's awesome. Thank you. So tell us why you and Jill believe in Multiply. Well, I, I told the, the first group this, and I want you to hear it too. We're given the Multiply because we're going to get a big video wall. Yeah. <laughs> no, we, we're, not, we're not having a video wall. Um, <laughs> we're given the Multiply because we know what God has done. What God is, uh, we've, we've been all over the church in youth buildings, youth areas, youth rooms, and uh, God blessed us by allowing us to be down there, and, and we know what God has done. There's, uh, there's kids all over the world, I say kids, there's your, people your age all over the world that are, that are ministering uh, with the gospel of Jesus Christ because you gave and you continue to give. And uh, this is going to give us an opportunity to see God do some amazing things. We've got amazing students in our group, and God is going to call some of them to be lawyers, doctors, teachers, but he's also going to send them all over the world, and he's going to just share Jesus through every one of them. So I'm super excited about the possibilities, the potential of, of what a building will do um, as it's a place for us to say, hey, I want to bring your friends, I want to, I want to come, and then also we're going to tell them about Jesus. It's awesome. It's awesome. We're gonna, and that, we get to be part of that, right? Uh, a few weeks ago, you were part of a service uh, for someone who impacted your life, and I think it connects to what we're talking about now. Share with us about that. Uh, Brother Tony was uh, my mentor, and he passed away a couple weeks ago. He's an incredible man of God, pastoring at 87, still pastoring. Mm -hmm. So um, <laughs> he was just awesome. But he came in view of a call uh, when I was eight and I came to know the Lord that Sunday. So mm -hmm. we had a great connection. I went and served under him as a youth pastor later on. And uh, before that, I was at a, a small church and they were giving me 
um, a big youth minister salary and I made $100 a month. And um, I was like, well, why in the world would I tithe that? I mean, it's, it's 100 bucks. Just give me 90 and we'll call it even. And I was really having issues with the whole idea about, well, the church has given me that money. We'll just save, uh, have the time. And so I went to Brother Tony and sat down in his office and just said, I need you to explain this to me as a pastor, because my family's not from in ministry. What does that mean? What do, I, what do I do with that? And he said, well, he goes, Granny, it's, God doesn't need your money, but God needs your heart. And so tithing is a matter of the heart. And if you give that portion, you get a chance to be a part of what God is doing. And uh, that, it just rang with me and it still does. And um, so last couple weeks ago when I got to go down there, uh, two Sundays ago and, and do his, his uh, preach at his funeral, I just was reminded of how godly he was and how he, he always served God. He always gave, but he taught me so much. And, and so I just think it's awesome. We get a chance to talk about it. Every week we talk about a, an offering and giving in the student ministry, but, but this is different. This is a chance for us to be a part of an amazing thing that God's going to do. And hopefully he's going to give you a chance to be a part of that too. Um, if you see it as, as we need your money, then don't give. Not. But, but if you see, man, we, I want to be a part of this. I want to be able to, I sat behind a precious little baby over here uh, when I was waiting and I thought, you know, it's not too long that they're going to be in the youth program. I will not be their youth pastor. I've said that before, <laughs> but it won't be too long that they'll get a chance to be in that new youth building and learning about how to share Jesus. And you guys get to be a part of that. How amazing is that? So cool. Yeah. I had someone share with me after the first service, like, Next week is for many of us. I mean, already though, 84 households in our church have already filled out the card and are in. Some of you might look at the card and you think, oh, does this mean if something happens that I'm going to go in debt to the church? No, that this can move up or down. Like this is, this is what you anticipate being able to invest if God, yeah, in the kingdom of God. But next week is when this moves from we. And so far, again, everyone I've talked to says we should do this to me, that I get to be part of, of this, this process. So I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to want you to pray for us and to pray over us and what God's going to do through, through Multiply Grant. Um, before you go, again, outside the doors, I think most of the sewage is gone, but still don't go in this bathroom or the ones right around here. If you need to go to the restroom before you leave, if you'll go in the gym area or in the children's building, which there could be a line, I don't know. Some of you are going to start running right now. Uh, if, more importantly, uh, you're being prompted to respond to what Justin has preached over us and you recognize you're weak, but God is strong and, and you want to run into to him, you want to run to Jesus today, we, we, want, we care enough about you to engage with you and we want to help you to become a disciple who follows Christ. That's what we want to do. And so you can have a conversation with us outside the doors to my right, your left, in our next steps room. I've already mentioned the frequently asked questions session that's going to be in the theater here in a few minutes that y'all are welcome to come to. And then there's also these, these booths, these kiosks with leaders that are there, the t-shirts, the booklets for more information for you. But we're so glad that you've come today. And I'm praying, I'm praying for you as you pray this week that you would truly ask God, pray and obey him in response. Will you pray over us, Grant? Sure. Dear God, we thank you so much for letting us be in this position to be a church, God, that, that loves you and loves students and, and loves being able to minister to not only McKinney but the world. Yeah. Thank you, God, for letting us be a part of that family. And, God, we ask that, that through this, 
that God, you would just continue to speak to our hearts. Help us to, to see what an impact is. Um, the people that are, that are continuing to share their faith. God, the people that are sitting in these pews that are, that are telling others about your amazing love. Yeah. God, help them to just be uh, more on fire because of a chance to be a part of a giving portion of their life. God, I pray that, that we would see you do amazing things. God, yeah. would you raise up godly men and women. God, so that they would just speak the truth wherever they go. God, I pray that there'd be many that would, that would go around the world that would tell about you. God, I pray that, that we would be able to look back during this time and say, that's when you started something amazing. Not that you hadn't been doing it, doing it already, but God, that you would just start something fresh and new. God, I pray that we would be able to just continue to glorify you through our giving and through the service that we have here at this church. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Go love your neighbor. Thank you for joining us today for Worship Online. If you're in our area, we want to invite you to come to physically connect to your local church. We would love to help you to live and love like Jesus alongside of others who are doing the same. If you're from outside of our area, can I challenge you to find a local church in your area that's going to preach the Bible and exalt Jesus? Smash the like button, subscribe, share with friends, and turn on notifications if you'd like to stay up to date with us. And thanks again for joining us.